Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire your walk with God. For more information about our church and community, check out myc3church.ca. Hello, Pastor Stephen here. Unfortunately, this week's message did not get recorded live due to some uh, technical difficulties we had, but I really wanted to speak on the second part of When in Romans. So we're recording it after the service. So thanks for bearing with that. You know, the saying, When in Rome, comes from the pleasant history of two angry women of Abington, 1599, which was a play. And it means when surrounded by a certain group or type of people, we should act like what they do and partake in the cultural things that take place in that environment. When in Rome... Well, the book of Romans that we're looking at this month is written to a group of believers who are doing the opposite. They are figuring out how to live a life set apart and uncompromising while still being a part of the society that God has placed them in. When in Rome is to go along with what the culture is doing, but when in Romans is to live from a place where we transform the culture around us. You know, when I'm reading the Bible, I'm constantly asking questions. This is one of my number one Bible reading tips for you. When we read a passage, why? What does that change for me today? How does that look played out in my life? So today's message is fame, claim, and no reason for shame. So we're going to start Romans 1 verse 8, continuing on from our where we left off last week. Verse 8, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Wow. That's what I want C3 Church East Village to be famous for, our faith that will be proclaimed around the world. Why does the church in Rome have such a famous faith? So we're talking about Rome here, the Roman Empire. Rome, first century AD, we are talking the capital of one of the most powerful empires in ancient and modern history. It's a place of influence, a place of high status, hundreds of gods and idols and uh, sexual perversions of all kinds, abuse, violence, a very status-driven society. If phones were around, they'd be selfie-obsessed, just like us. You know, interestingly, one of the major accusations from the Romans in that time against the Christians was that they were atheists. How could you only believe in one God? You know, Rome had a plethora of different belief systems going on. So the Christians here in Rome were living out their faith in a time and a place where politically and socially there was a lot of pressure for them to compromise and water down following Jesus Christ. Does that sound familiar? They did this by showing love to the society. They tried they tried to shut them up. They preached, yes, but they loved and shaped the society they were in uncompromisingly. We often think that we are living in unprecedented times and how will we ever survive it as Christians? The same way that historically Christians have made it through every place and time and culture around the world by standing strong, by sticking by each other, by keeping the main things the main things, by rejoicing in trials, by caring what God thinks about us more than those around us would, and by displaying His love wherever He has placed us in life. You can do it. It's tough at times. It's awkward. It can be lonely. It can feel impossible, but your faith is a witness to every round around you of how good our God is. This has been an issue for people all through society. You know, David says in the Psalms, 119 verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. 
I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you. The book of James chapter 1 verse 22 be doers of the word not hearers only so we do that by coming together by exploring his word being reminded through worship truths of god and making declarations by being in our community uh, where we're encouraged and and filled with faith and keeping our focus on god being seekers with all our heart through not just hearing and reading but doing the word of god you know, coming together on a Sunday or listening to a podcast, that's awesome. But don't let that be your only time in the Word of God. I, I urge you, I encourage you to please be in your Word regularly. In verse 9 of uh, Romans 1, it says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. So first up, we have the fame there. Their faith is famous all around the world. The next thing we have is the claim. And this is a big claim from Paul. Praying without ceasing. Has anyone here tried to pray without ceasing? Like nonstop prayer? Okay, okay. What about pray for a really, really long time? You know, I remember once when I got fired up about prayer in my life. Um, as a young Christian, I decided, okay, I'm going to pray two hours a day. Now, at that point, I hadn't really had a regular prayer time. So I'm like, I'm going to pray two hours a day before school. And what I did was I, I woke up early. I, I went down to the beach. I went for a walk, and I was praying, and I was checking off the list, and I was shouting, and I was declaring, and I was thanking God and praying for my school and praying for my friends, praying for my family, praying for salvation's healing. And, and I thought, man, I, I just went through everything. And I thought, man, this must have been at least an hour by now. And I looked at my watch, 12 minutes. I'd only been praying 12 minutes. I was exhausted. Let's just say I didn't make it to two hours that day. You know, I do believe we need to develop a time specifically of prayer and worship and reading our word every day but going to extremes is not going to work it's going to discourage you have time designated and increase it in small chunks but this greek term for the word here um for that pray without ceasing actually is more reflective of of paul's priority of an ongoing conversation with god throughout the day not non-stop but he's always uh, talking to God and he's always receiving throughout his day. So, you know, number one, it emphasizes dependence and a need on prayer, that it's a priority, that we actually need to pray. Two, is it, it alludes to not giving up on the power of prayer, persistence. Just because your prayer hasn't been answered yet, we continue without ceasing to, to bring our prayer to God until it is answered. And, and three, similarly, it talks about repeated, repeating and regular prayer in our life prayer is crucial for us as believers don't get put off by that term without ceasing but prayer is an ongoing conversation throughout the day with god sometimes it's just simply under your breath at your desk at, at work help lord help give me wisdom direct me guide me whatever it might be i encourage you to do it you know there's a, a funny teaching well if god knows everything anyway why do i need to pray for it we hear that these days to me, the Bible makes it clear that we need to be in prayer constantly, that God responds to prayer. Or we respond when we pray. It shifts something in us that aligns us with what God is doing. 
there's power in me speaking out truths and conversing with God. I don't claim to get it all, but I know that prayer is the engine that keeps a believer driving. Prayer actually shifts something in us to be able to accomplish and overcome. I'm not naturally great at praying. My wiring, my personality, my quirks, I find it way easier to read the Bible. But we need both the Word and prayer. So if prayer does not come easy for you like me, that's fine. It just means you need to put extra effort into making good habits and disciplines. In James 5, 16, the, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. In 1 John 5, verse 14, there is confidence. this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Psalm 34, verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are attentive to their cry. Let's not give up on prayer. Let's pray without ceasing. God is wanting to hear from us. My question to you today, have you made prayer a priority in your life or has it slipped into the background? Okay, let's continue in Romans here from 1 verse 11. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. This is what I want you to hear. You have something to give. You have something to get. Every conversation, every time you're in a meeting, you have something to give. You have something to get. Paul here is going to, to preach to encourage the Romans, but he's also saying, actually, I want to be encouraged by, by you guys as well. I love the Apostle Paul here, an influencer, a, a leader in the church, hasn't put himself above learning from people that may not have the same experience as him. I believe this is such a healthy position to hold. To be someone who positions themselves not as better as anyone else, but we're humble, we're ready to learn, but also... We recognize that if we have the Holy Spirit in us, if we have God with us, then we actually have something to give and to encourage somebody else. We can learn from a child if we position ourselves as a learner. We can learn from anyone. No matter where you've come from, what you've done, how long you've been here, you have something that will encourage and help someone grow. You have something to help encourage someone and you have something to receive from someone. I want you to approach every day like that, whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's the cafe. What are you going to learn and what are you going to bring? Okay, in verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I've been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as amongst the rest of the Gentiles. Paul's plans not working out in getting to Rome have actually become a blessing to the entire world because he hadn't gotten to Rome as quick as he wanted. Therefore, he wrote the book of Romans to prepare a way. God did not answer Paul's prayers in the way that he wanted, but we reap the benefit of it. This encourages me. Sometimes my trial and my answer to prayer not looking like I thought it would actually in the grand scheme of things, may have such a greater influence on the world than I could ever recognize. I can only see what I can see, but God, outside of time, outside of place and circumstance, can see the whole picture of what's best for the world and the people around me. Okay, Romans 1 verse 14, let's keep going. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. I find this fascinating. Why would... Paul go and preach the good news to those that already believe it. Remember, he's talking to the the followers of Christ in Rome, the, those who have already accepted Jesus. 
Here, here's what I, I, I conclude. We don't move on from the gospel. We live it. We breathe it. We need to be reminded of it constantly. We are in a constant battle of influence. What news are we allowing to shape our world? I want it to be the good news of Christ, the gospel. We don't ever move on from the gospel. You know, if you don't feel that the gospel of Christ is enough, then may I suggest perhaps you do not understand the extent of our need for Jesus and how good the news really is. I love it. Paul follows up in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What an amazing statement by Paul. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's just take a moment to think about his past. Paul, he's been imprisoned in Philippi. He's been chased out of different places. He's been smuggled out of areas. He was ignored completely in Athens. He was laughed at in Corinth. He was stoned and left for dead in different places. Paul, how can you dare come to Rome with a record like that? Oh, let's look at it from a different way. Coming into the church, Paul used to actually kill Christians and lock them up and terrorize the church. How can you come to Rome and say, you're not ashamed? It's because of the gospel of Christ, the power that is in it. Has anyone ever felt embarrassment, shame, or hesitation when it comes to our Christian faith? I have. You know, it comes out in little ways. Like maybe we come into church on a Sunday, have an amazing service, touched by the power of God, worshiping, meet some amazing people, we explore the Bible. Then someone on Monday morning at work says, hey, what did you get up to on the weekend? And we say, oh, you know, not much. Yeah, pretty good. Yet the weekend was okay. Let's be a church. Let's be a people that are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. You know, there can sometimes be such a disconnect between the truth we know in our head and letting that flow out of our heart. But the gospel, the good news of God, His unending and ferocious love for you, for me, and for every single person is nothing to be ashamed of. I've done plenty of things in my life I'm ashamed of. And even today in my world, there's areas that embarrass me. If you guys could could read my thoughts, you could see sometimes the way that I react to situations. I'd be embarrassed, but... But the reality of being a Christian, the reality of giving my life to Jesus and living a life for Him, that's nothing that I'm ashamed of. There's nothing I need to be ashamed of. It is the answer to this world's problems. We worry way too much, way too much about what people think of us anyway. Like an unbelievable amount. The world, then and now, thinks it should look for the best looking, the highest social status, the biggest house, the nicest car. Paul here, though, is talking about the gospel of Christ. You know, there's a bunch of Gospels out there, a bunch of quote-unquote good news. There's a Gospel of religion that says, turn over a new leaf and do these actions and you'll be closer to God. There's a Gospel of materialism that says, your worth is determined by what you have. Gain is the goal of life. There's a Gospel of liberal, liberalism that says, I'm okay, you're okay, God accepts us like we are and he will take us to heaven if heaven really exists. There's a gospel of politics. If we elect the right people and follow that one, we'll be okay. There's the gospel of social norms. It says, do as you please and as much of it for life is short, so enjoy. 
There's a gospel of sexuality that says, if I just find the right person to be intimate with, then I won't be lonely. There's a gospel of Instagram that says, if your life looks like this, has the right lighting, and applies the right filter, then you will get more likes, and more likes lead to a better life. But the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Christ, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever shall believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. And it is more that as a result of God coming to earth and setting us free from death, we actually get to receive freedom here in this life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give life and life abundantly. John 8 verse 8, he who the sons set free is free indeed. Freedom from our past, freedom from our sin, freedom from status, freedom from peer pressure, freedom from sickness, freedom of feelings from feelings of unworthiness or anger, of bitterness, of fear, of need to strive, of not measuring up. Freedom into a life of purpose, of passion, of influence, because you are a part of the greatest story here on earth. A God who so loved each one of us that he has made a way through every trial. He's not a far off God, but right with you in the midst of your darkest days and the biggest struggles, who does not base your value on the conditions that you are in, but through the lens of the cross that sets you free. So how do we get this? How do we get this determination that Paul has made that, and this desire for Christ and this um, passion for him that he is not ashamed, even though his experience might tell him otherwise? Well, verse 17, he follows up this famous uh, scripture here with, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. That's how we do it. We live by faith. We believe it. We embrace it. We accept that Jesus paid it all. Not just some, not just partiality, but Jesus has made a way for us to be righteous and in perfect relationship with God. In a couple of weeks, we're going to look at continue looking into Romans. We're going to look at different concepts and things like the wrath of God, human depravity, and the ultimately the dilemma that every single one of us, but more importantly, on the other side of that, we're going to look at the freedom that Christ brings and the inheritance that we get to step into as a son and daughter of God. So fame in this passage, we've found famous faith. We've found a big claim of ceaseless prayer, but we've found that there is no need for shame. We are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the greatest thing on this earth. It is your greatest weapon to have, that you can step into any situation. And because Christ has overcome every situation that you might face, you can walk in victory. Awesome. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.